I'm Tom Perumian, KTSA News. Hey, good afternoon. Jack Riccardi not moisturizing or taking care of his skin or face at all on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Welcome to our dreadful little show. This is why you need the uh, indictment of Donald Trump. Okay, days like today are why Donald Trump needs to be indicted probably tomorrow by the special counsel. Because this um, Hunter Biden art sales story is, you know, it's it's problematic. It's not it's not gonna it's not gonna get the president tossed out of office, but it's problematic. And the whole thing with Hunter is problematic because what the White House needs is for people to um, forget what they used to say about it in favor of what they're saying about it now. And somebody rounded it up this way. In August of 2019, this is Megyn Kelly, by the way, on the uh, platform we now call X, formerly known as Twitter. Megyn Kelly put this together. She, okay, August 2019, Biden. I've never discussed with my son or my brother anything having to do with their businesses. That's a quote. September 2019, Biden. I've never spoken to Hunter about his overseas business dealings. That's a quote. In 2022, Jen Psaki was asked, does the president stand by those claims? Yes. Uh, last month, president was asked in the uh, ABC interview, did you lie about never speaking to Hunter about his business dealings, no. Uh, and now White House reporter Peter Baker of the New York Times uh, is quoting White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre as saying that Joe Biden was never in business with his son. Do you see the difference in the wording? Never discussed business, don't know anything about his business, uh, not involved in his business, not in business with. Cut number three. Um, uh, Chairman James Comer today says that the Oversight Committee, excuse me, has evidence that the president in the past communicated directly with foreign business associates of his son Hunter Biden many times. Curious if the White House and the president still stand behind his comment that he's never been involved and has never even uh, spoken to his son about his. Business. So I've been I've been asked this question a million times. The answer is not going to change. The answer remains the same. The president ha was never in business with his son. I just don't have anything else to add. See, this is what this is a very overused term, but this is what gaslighting actually means. I, I, I've been telling you, I've told you a million times something that I'm telling you for the first time right now. You've heard me say this a million times. And when you repeat that often enough, I mean, the, the reporters know, but when you repeat that often enough, people just sort of casually following the news will be like, yeah, why do they keep asking, uh, you know, the, the press secretary that? She's answered it. We already know. The president was never in business with his son. That's the new line. And that won't be the last line. They'll, they'll have to modify that at some point. I suppose that could mean that the president, Joe Biden... Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. is not a name on any of the 20-plus shell companies created by somebody in the Biden family. I certainly don't think that that cokehead could have created all these. But when she says the answer is not going to change, the answer just, just changed. What does this mean? 
being in business with was not the question. But being in business with is also really vague, you know? Um, it's very, you know what this reminds me of as it, as it evolves? It's very Clinton-esque. Remember the whole depends on the meaning of the word and the the sort of shifting of the explanations about everything from Whitewater to Arkansas to Vince Foster to Monica Lewinsky. It's very Orwellian, too. You When you say something has always been true, when it you've just said it for the first time, that or- Orwell uses that in, in 1984. The people in the country are told that there is a war that has always been going on. So don't pay any attention to it. Now, the problem with this, and the reason I think it'll evolve, is because... Um, not only is there going to be this Devin Archer guy testifying, but there's probably tape recordings. I, I, I find it hard to believe that at some point, and they must know this, uh, I find it hard to believe that we're not going to get some tape recordings where there's a speakerphone and there's Joe Biden in the background and uh, he, he's, he's on this conversation. He's, on, he's in these conversations. And, and the reason he has to be is because he is what Hunter is selling. So Hunter has to produce Joe in order for all this money. And he must have produced him. You can't tell me that all the times he produced him, somebody didn't want to grab a little something for posterity or insurance, and so they did. And so that's what we're we're being set up for. And by the way, Trump will be indicted tomorrow on another charge, and all of this that I'm telling you about today will get swept aside uh, by that. Now, the other thing that's uh, looking pretty shaky right now is Hunter Biden's artwork. I don't mean, I mean, the, the artwork looks pretty shaky, but that's not what I mean. Uh, back when Jen Psaki was the White House press secretary, and boy, we did not appreciate her as much as we should have in retrospect, right? Um, they developed a line about what was going to happen. This was in the first few months of Joe Biden's presidency. And Hunter was painting paintings and selling them for six figures. And so she was asked, how, how will that not be contributions, political donations, et cetera, et cetera? And this was her answer. And you're going to learn a new word here. Uh, cut number five. Listen to this. The selling of his art will all happen through gallery, the gallerists, and uh, the names and individuals will be kept confidential. We will not be aware, neither will he be aware. He will not know, we will not know who purchases his art. Anybody a gallerist? Out there. I'd like to meet a gallerist. I don't mean meet, we don't have to meet for coffee. I mean, just if that's your job title, I'm just curious. That's a, that's a very cool word. I like that word. Uh, gallerist. It's very classy. And that's that's not a person that like ever eats in the car, right? Like, that's like I'm a gallerist. So the basically her answer is, um, well, the artwork will be uh, marketed, retailed by these uh, professionals who will determine a good price, collect the money, and, and, and therefore there's no reason for Joe Blow, who wants to purchase political influence with the Biden administration, to buy one of these ugly paintings because the, the, the people he's trying to influence will never know that he's the one that bought it. Well, we now know that that's not true. Uh, we now know, for example, that one of the buyers 
And th- by the way, we're in we're into over a million dollars in in that we know of, and probably more. But one of the buyers, somebody that uh, purchased one of the paintings for six figures, is a woman named Elizabeth Hirsch Naftali. And Elizabeth Hirsch Naftali is a big time donor to Joe Biden, uh, and Joe Biden appointed her to something called the President's Commission for the Preservation of America's Heritage Abroad. Now, he might have done that because she's just really good at America's heritage. He might have done it because she made contributions to his campaign. Or she might have bought a painting because she was trying to get in even better uh, with Joe Biden. But if you've appointed someone to a government position who also happens to have bought the painting, ain't no one going to believe that you don't know who's buying the paintings. And in fact, now it looks like um, other people are doing the same thing. One person has spent $840,000 on paintings, according to businessinsider.com. That bought several paintings, artworks. So uh, we've talked about this before. The the paintings are are horrible. They're, They're junk. If your kid painted them and brought them home from school, you'd put them on the refrigerator door for a few days. There's no way anyone's buying these for any other reason than to pay the Bidens and to uh, maybe enhance their standing with the Bidens. Uh, and, I, I, you know, I, I get that this kind of thing probably happens all the time. But when you layer this on top of the millions and millions of dollars coming in to these people, you start to ask yourself, is there ever going to be enough? I mean, Joe Biden's been in politics 50 years. Uh, he owns several properties. He's a millionaire many times over. He's never made more than about $200,000 a year in government salary. He's uh, now making presidential salary, which is more than that, but he's only been president for a few years. He clearly is not a gifted author, lecturer, writer. Um, he's, not, he's not somebody that has some other business where you'd say, well, it's been it's this other stuff. And and so I guess this all leads me to the next thing I want to bring up, which is that yesterday on Fox they were interviewing Speaker McCarthy, and Speaker McCarthy says this is rising to the level of an impeachment inquiry. And I was curious that he said that because you can't throw that word around. If you're the Republican leader of the House, you can't throw around the word impeachment these days Unless you mean it. Like, hell yes, you guys should be impeaching Joe Biden. You should have been impeaching him quite some time ago. You could have impeached him over the way we left Afghanistan. But will they? What do you think? So now he said it, and that's almost like you're committed. I mean, that's like a committed relationship. Kevin McCarthy says it rises to the level of an impeachment inquiry. Here's the problem for McCarthy and the Republicans. They know that you want them to do this. They don't want to do it. But they're going to have to do it. Because you're not going to settle for we tried, we're holding here Aren't you happy with the hearings we're holding? Aren't you happy with the testimony? Don't you like the whistleblowers? Isn't James Comer doing a great job? No. None of this is good enough. 
All the I'm going to say something that that maybe is harsh, but I mean this. All the Republicans are doing right now in the House is giving Fox News Channel good programming. That's it. They're not making they're not making Joe Biden uncomfortable. They're not making the Democrats uncomfortable. They're not they're not forcing them to consider. Well, maybe we have to run somebody else next year. None of that is happening. Don't believe any of that. If somebody's telling you that, they're filling your head with lies. That's not true. This is just being covered on Fox. They're not even covering. The paintings and what McCarthy said, they're not even covering it on the other channels. It didn't even happen on the other channels. they got to impeach him. And, of course, impeaching him just means having the impeachment trial or, or bringing the impeachment charges, rather, in the House. That's all the House can do. And it would require every Republican to vote yes, and I don't know if they can get them to do that. You know, the, the Republicans only have, like, what, a two- or three-seat edge they need to hold everybody together i mean grant granted they don't have that uh, turncoat liz cheney in there anymore but there's still a few weaklings and then when it goes to the senate they don't have the votes thanks to the brilliant uh plan of losing both senate seats in georgia in the midterms they, they don't have the votes so they can't um do anything in the Senate, but symbolically go through the motions. And I can't imagine there would be any Democrats that would vote to impeach Biden, but even if even if there was one or two or three, it, it wouldn't make any difference. So that's where we're at. Do you want them to impeach President Biden? Can you imagine that they might not? I can. Um, and, and then maybe you're thinking, you know, I don't really care. I don't even care about this. I, I know who he is. You just told us what's going to happen, which is nothing. When he is not impeached, he will claim to be exonerated. And they'll call it a witch hunt, and they'll say, look, the Republicans aren't even serious about governing. All they did when we gave when you gave them the majority, all they did was try to uh, get uh, retribution against a great American leader who rescued the country from COVID and is the greatest job creator we've ever had and had more votes for him than anybody's ever had in history, ever. So do you want them to do this? I, I, they have no choice. They have to do it. What do you, what do you think about this? 210-599-5555. Now, remember, I think it was yesterday, we played you the clip of, uh, or maybe we didn't play the clip, maybe I just told you about it, but Margaret Brennan on Face the Nation was talking to Christie, Governor Christie. Did we play that clip, Don, or did I just refer to it? Okay. So you don't need to hear it. He, She asks Governor Christie, isn't it time for Republicans to move on from uh, Hunter Biden now that there's a plea deal? And he gives a good answer, which is no, because you guys haven't even moved in. So his answer was basically, we're, we're doing what we're supposed to do as the oversight party, and we're doing the work that you and the media are supposed to be doing. But bear in mind, you, you have to explain this to people under a certain age, bear in mind that at one time, if you'd had a president who had taken millions of dollars in bribes and whose son was selling finger painting for hundreds of thousands of dollars, the Washington Post, the New York Times, CBS News, 60 Minutes, CNN, Newsweek, Time... Politico, Daily B, they would be trampling each other to get that story, to rake in those Pulitzers. There'd be teams of reporters. It's a slow, boring summer 
We're tired of talking about the weather. Here's a juicy bone to chew on. Pullets are written all over it. Career-making news story for an enterprising journalist. Woodward and Bernstein, here we come. And notice there's none of that going on here. Now, does that mean people don't care about this anymore? In which case, the media are just reflecting our taste? Or does this mean they're part of the stifling of it? And you want this impeachment. Uh, 210-599-5555. J.R. Pohl, powered by River City Oral Surgery. Do you want the House to begin impeachment of President Biden? Now, understand, if, if you say yes, they'll begin it. They won't finish it. Is that worth doing? I think people, I, I don't think Republicans can, can get out from under this. And you can thank Trump for this, because this is the kind of thing, this is exactly the kind of thing before Trump that Republicans would give us the old, you know, hey, we gave it our best shot, just didn't have the votes. We tried. We're, we're like Avis, we try harder. And then Trump came along and said, you know, you shouldn't settle for those kinds of namby-pamby answers from these rhinos. You should, if you give them the power, if you give them the majority, if you elect them, you should demand results. And, uh, you know, three Supreme Court justices later. So that's why you have McCarthy on Hannity having a discussion neither of them want to have. Because they can't finish it, but they got to start it. What do you think? 210 599 Fifty-five, fifty-five. You gotta love, not love. That's not the right word. You have to appreciate what this Biden mob is doing. They got, it looks like ten million dollars to make Ukraine fire a prosecutor, an investigator, looking into that company, Barisma that Hunter was on the board of. Um, We know that we got him fired because Joe Biden is on video bragging about it after he was out of office. So they got $10 million to force a U-turn in the Ukrainian judicial system, quote-unquote. Trump got impeached for a phone call that mentioned the firing of the prosecutor. (laughs) The asymmetry of that is is spectacular. If if you were on vacation, you'd stop and take a picture of that. Uh, 210-599-5555. I don't think Kevin McCarthy's heart is in this. I don't think he wants to do this. And I think it's two reasons. One, he doesn't want to because he knows they won't finish it. And number two, because if they start down the impeachment road, this is all Republicans will be doing between now and the election. There won't be any, they won't pass anything else, they won't get anything else done. What do you think? What do you want to see happen here? And the Democrats in the Senate will never vote to convict Biden. I mean, literally, no matter what they were presented with. Uh, He's taken them this far. They just need to get him across the finish line next November, and they're all good. Um... And they don't have to worry about the walls are closing in and mounting pressure from the media. You know, I, I'm old enough to barely remember when Nixon resigned. I was a kid, but I remember seeing the headlines on the front of the Boston Herald American every day in my family's 
uh, kitchen table. And, you know, as a kid, you just kind of look at it and you'd go out the door to school. But um, the thing with Nixon was he wasn't impeached, but he resigned because he knew he would be. And he knew he would be because he knew Republicans would vote with the Democrats to impeach him. And, and he knew the Republicans would do that because he knew that he would never, the drumbeat, the drip, 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 the constant coverage, the, the uh, never-say-quit journalism was a given. And that's why journalism is important even though it's not mentioned in our system of government. It, it, is the, it is the secret sauce that forces people in politics to do things that are easier to not do. You know, I could just, let's just not do that. Let's say we, let's say we you know, let's say we tried. Or <laughs> let's make a gesture. But see, they couldn't do that with Watergate. They weren't, there was no place to hide from the media of that day, 50 years ago almost. And there's nothing like that now. There's nothing like that on Biden, but there's also nothing like that on McCarthy. What do you think? 210-599-5555. Today's JR poll. we got a lot more to talk about. Um, we're going to talk about leaving early. Are you one of those people that leaves early? I've been meaning to bring this up for a long time. You know what I mean by leave early, right? Like you're, you're at something, and before you even go, you know that you're going to leave early. We're going to talk. That, we need to get that out in the open. We're going to talk about that today, too. Um, boy, it was weird and, and freaky and, and scary to, uh, to see the news bulletin uh, this morning about LeBron James' son. Did you, you heard this, right? So, LeBron James has always said for many, many years that he hopes he can stay in the NBA long enough to play with his son, Bronny. And his son is at USC, very promising kid, and apparently had a cardiac arrest yesterday afternoon, dropped down on the court, had to be taken to intensive care. He's doing better now. Uh, the family's asking for prayers and privacy. Um, 18 years old. Um you know, I, you know how I feel about LeBron James. If you've listened to the show, you know I'm not a, not a, not an enormous fan of LeBron James. I respect his game. Haven't always been a fan of some of the other stuff around it, but but all of that, all that goes to the sideline. And you just, he's a dad. He's a very good father. Uh, he's been in his son's life. Uh, his mother is an amazing woman. Uh, they're they're charitable. They're they're generous people. Again, some of the stuff he pulls on the court not not really my cup of tea. But prayers for Bronny, prayers for the family, and um, just you know one of those moments. I I, I think since Demar Hamlin, these things are going to feel different and and be different uh, when they happen. I know they happen, and it, it's not the first time, but um, it, they're they're different now, right? 210-599-5555. You, you probably have heard a little bit. We haven't really talked much about this, but you, you've probably heard a little bit about the, the strike with the Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild. And um, There's a comedian who's been uh, tweeting about this, or excuse me, axing about it. Uh, Andrew Schultz is his name. He's a very smart guy. Funny, but also very insightful about the, the entertainment business. So he's been um, sharing his thoughts about the strike 
and explaining it, and I, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here because I'm assuming you don't really care, but it has to do, uh, th- this strike has something to do with whether actors and writers are getting fairly paid for um, streaming. And that complicated our business tremendously. Back when something could only be broadcast or shown like in a movie theater, there was a pretty fixed way of tracking, you know, how people got paid and residuals and royalties. Streaming is more complicated. And he thinks that what's going on is the streaming numbers that these people on strike are saying, show us the money, he thinks the streaming numbers are scandalously low, meaning there's probably far... When you hear about how many people watch some Pocahta movie on Netflix or something, there's probably way fewer people than they're claiming. But they're in a box because they're claiming, oh, big audience. And so the people that are supposed to get paid are saying, well, pay me. If we saw the actual numbers, Andrew Schultz says, it's not that popular. It's not that big. It's interesting. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, If the streaming companies really have the eyeballs, the views they claim, uh, then they're going to have to pay actors and pay back, uh, you know, pay writers and and so forth. And that's where we get into the whole, are we going to go the AI route? Everybody says that kind of half-kiddingly, but not entirely anymore. Like, you know... Maybe that's the moment, right? Because in every other profession you and I know about, including maybe even the one you work in, if labor costs get too high, that's when automation becomes a real thing. And a machine makes your burger instead of a high school kid. Could could a machine, so to speak, write the script? You look at a lot of stuff that's on television and movies right now, and you think, yeah, probably. I mean, I don't do this very often, but once in a while when I click through like just the offerings on Netflix, just browse it, it just looks like there's four movies out there that have been repackaged with 34 different titles. You know, it just looks cookie cutter. So either they have the views and they owe these people money, or they really didn't have the views. And the good news is they won't owe these people the money. The bad news is their stock will tank. So Andrew Schultz explaining that. It's a theory. I don't know if it's true or not. told you yesterday that uh, the Abbott administration is promising to uh, fight in court now that the Department of Justice is suing Texas over those... uh, you know, anti-illegal immigrant floaties. And um, the the language from the governor today is, you know, we'll see you in court, and it's very firm, and it's fighting back and all that. And I was thinking about this. Remember Don Huffhines? Do you remember him? We had him on the show a few times. Do you remember him? He was the guy that ran against, I mean, there were several people that ran against Abbott in the Republican primary in 2022, but Huff Hines was kind of the best funded, highest performing one. He's a big businessman up north, and he had been a state senator at one point, I think. And um, 
he didn't prevail. He didn't even come close. Abbott was renominated and obviously reelected. Um, but it was interesting to watch Greg Abbott change in the way that, like, Kevin McCarthy is changing. It's the Trump factor again. Huff Hines was to Abbott what Trump was to McCarthy. He forced him to be tougher than he was going to be. He forced him to do things or act on things he had only talked about doing. And I, I can't prove this, but I, I think a lot of these Republicans are in a box where they don't want to be hardline on illegal immigration. They're afraid to be. They really would like to split the difference. They'd really like to kind of find middle ground and make sure they don't alienate the suburban housewife voters in Houston or whatever it is. But they, but they can't because there's somebody breathing down their neck. And Huff Hines did that to Abbott, although, again, he didn't put him in any real danger. But Abbott had to run to the right because of the primary challenges he had. Whatever happens with Trump... That's what's forcing the Republicans to even say the I-word out loud right now. But it's, it's weird because you know that they're being pushed, but without that push, where would they really be? What would they really be doing? What would, what would Kevin McCarthy really go on that interview on Fox and say if he wasn't afraid not to say it? You know, and I don't know, this is a big question, but I don't know if Trump really changed the Republican Party or just his presence at the moment scares some of these people into doing the right thing. You, you've probably heard by now this uh, this uh, lady in Alabama, Carly Russell, who had alleged that she was driving along at night when she saw a toddler toddling on the side of the road and she was horrified, and she pulled over, and she was kidnapped. And there was big news coverage and searches and amber alerts, and now, as of yesterday, her family's attorney has admitted that she made the whole thing up, or, or she's admitted, and he read the statement that she's, she's made the whole thing up. There was no kidnapping. She did not see a baby. Uh, she never left the area. She did not have any accomplices. Um, and she's sorry. But uh, why, why, why do you think somebody would do that? And I, I mean, it's an open question. Is this, is this attention? So that's the answer people seem to be coming up with. Well, she wanted attention, and I, I, I hear it, but it's never been easier to get attention than it is right now. I mean, you can get attention if you put up a picture of your kitten. Is it something else? I mean, I, I'm not going into the whole, is there something wrong with her, like mental illness or something? That may be true, and we should pray for her family because this is going to be horrible for them. But um, just what what would possess somebody to stage this and to try to get away with it. I was thinking about it when it was when we were starting to doubt the story, when it was starting to unravel, I remember thinking, you just wouldn't be able to pull this off. You sooner or later, you know. So you're you're basically trading 
X number of hours or days of attention for the inevitable and humiliating reveal that will that will surely follow. Why would you do it? Especially in a day and age when getting your 15 minutes of fame is instantaneous. It's not hard. It's not... I mean, you're guaranteed. You can get clicks. You can get likes. You can be notorious. I wonder why. What do you think? It used to be that when people clamored for their rights, whoever they were, what they meant by their rights was the same rights that everyone else had that they believed or perceived they were not getting. So if a group of people said, we want our rights, we were to understand, we might, we might agree with them, we might not agree with them, but we were to understand that they didn't feel like they had a chair at the table that everybody else was sitting at. And this was a, this was a very, very old and established idea. This is what the civil rights movement was, was all about. We want our chair at the table. And we want the chair to be the same height as everybody else's, and we want to be the same distance from the table. We want to be at the table. At some point, no one is exactly sure when, two things happened. The word rights became synonymous with privilege, which is very different from rights. And people stopped wanting to be at that table with everyone else. Or maybe I should say it differently. Maybe people still want to be at the table, but we were told differently. All of a sudden, it seemed like we were going backwards. I remember several years ago, we talked about the, the phenomenon of college campuses opening all-black dormitories and saying we, we did this because the, the students demanded it. But I thought the whole purpose of marching and protesting and, and, and singing hymns and praying and bleeding was to get into the dorms and live with each other and amidst each other and... Um, not separate but equal, but equal and together. It was befuddling to see the, the fight go from we want to be at the table to don't put us at that table. And it's happened with a lot of things now, right? Now, I'm reading an article about, uh, this is from TexasScorecard.com, Ten Texas universities hold lavender ceremonies for LGBTQ graduates. As more public universities cater to woke ideals, many are holding separate graduation ceremonies for students based on their sexual orientation. Uh, Texas Tech received a five-star rating from an LGBTQ index for holding a ceremony specifically for LGBTQ students. Other universities doing that, holding separate graduation ceremonies, include UTSA, Texas State, and others. And um, this 
thing called the Campus Pride Index, which rates universities for their LGBTQ friendliness, gives you a higher score, gives your college a higher score if you have a separate graduation ceremony. So is this what gay people want? Or has someone decided this is what they should want? Because when you graduate from college, do you graduate as a gay person? Or do you graduate with a degree in blah, 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 whatever you studied? And what is the point of the separate graduation? And what is the point of rolling back from and retreating from what used to be the cry of, we want our seat at the table. We just want, it, we just want what everybody else has. No more, no less. See, I think it's easy to say, well, they're being unreasonable. How do they? Who are they? Whose idea was this? It almost looks to me like a lot of times when companies and universities go woke, what they're really doing is they're trying to earn a score or an approval rating from some outfit, from some organization that claims to speak for, that claims to represent another group. We represent African-American students. We represent gay students. We represent this. We represent... But I don't know if that's true. Does anyone check? Does anyone know? Because I could put out a report card, and I could say, if you do this, this, and this, I'll give you five stars. And if you wanted the five stars badly enough, you would know what to do. But does it mean anything? What's the five-star rating mean? And if, if I'm wrong, and this is what gay and lesbian students want, they, they're horrified by the thought of graduating with the straights, then what was the whole fight for equality and we want marriage and we want, what was that for it's it's it it's sort of um dissonant that you're on the one hand you're demanding we want in at the same time you're demanding we want out 210-599-5555. Now, this is just one example. We don't have to just talk about the lavender ceremonies. I mean, we've got separate housing, uh, separate curricula, separate uh, graduation ceremonies, obviously. Um, let's, what would be the benefit of that? I've done some thinking about this. And I don't think that it's a benefit to the people involved. Like, I don't think it's a benefit. If you're, if you're graduating from college, congratulations, good for you. You put in the work. I don't think it's a benefit to you to have a lavender ceremony. But I do think that there are politicians and other charlatans who benefit from you thinking that you are this little band of um, oppressed people and you're so oppressed, you had to have your own graduation. You had to be protected from the masses that would stone you to death if you had a graduation with them. So I think the thinking, I think the plan here is divide and splinter people into their groups, herd everybody into some group or subgroup, tell them that they're, they're lucky to have that group, tell them their identity in that group is all they have, Reward that and keep them dependent on you. Because we don't want people feeling 
confident and self-assured. We don't want people saying, well, look, I, who I sleep with is my business, but I earn my degree and I want to walk the stage with everybody else. We don't want people with that kind of strength. And everything I look at, everything I look around me at, I look at Dylan Mulvaney and all of this, it seems to me what we're promoting is weakness. Physical weakness, mental weakness, spiritual weakness, gender weakness. Weak people need to belong to a group. Weak people need affiliations. They need hyphenations. Strong people can, can belong to groups, but they don't need to. If you're strong, if you're confident, if you know who you are, then you may or may not affiliate with a group, but you don't, you, you don't crave it. You don't need it. So the real question here is not even about gay people or black students or anything else. I think the real question is, who benefits when people are convinced that they have to belong to a little, a little oppressed band? And they have to drink the, the Kool-Aid of the oppression and the victimhood and the weakness and don't dare go outside the group. My God, if you went to the, if you went to the graduation with the straights, who knows what would happen? It's uh, a sign of the times that there are all these people, all these groups, all these individuals that are self-appointed spokespeople for others. And we never do get around to checking with the others to see if they really want this person or if this person is representing them or this is how they feel. But there's, there's no shortage of people who will tell you that they represent all the other people like them. And this thing about separate graduation ceremonies at universities in Texas, uh, I, I have the feeling if we could uh, peel away all the layers... This is not something that all these students wanted, but it, it is a very useful tool to convince them and confine them to their group. And that is the opposite of what progress used to be. Progress used to be we're all together. And uh, whether you're comfortable with that or uncomfortable with that, too bad, you know. <laughs> T.S., because this is how it's going to be. We're colorblind. Uh, we recognize the character, the content of the character, not the color of the skin. And uh, everybody's at the table. The fact that we're pulling back from that rapidly is not because there's more racism or the whites are pushing their privilege cards. It's because people are being herded into oppressed groups rather than being welcomed into strong individuality. Because oppressed groups are politically useful, and strong individuals, well, for crying out loud, then they start thinking logically, and they get enlightened, and they, uh, their vote is always up for grabs. We can't count on them anymore. You know, ugh. We do not want people thinking for themselves. We don't need any of this pull myself up by my bootstrap stuff. You didn't build that. Remember when the Democrats were chanting that several years ago? You didn't build that. You can't make it. And then it was, well, you can't make it on your own. You can't be a, if you're a success, you got help from the government. And so um, the pattern is there. I mean, you got to keep people weak or feeling weak and keep them in groups. And part of this is also. And I, I, this is a real stickler for me. Um, there is so much historical illiteracy, and it's not 
the fault of the students. It's intentional. You know, if a person is malnourished, it's because they haven't had the right foods. If a student doesn't know history, it's because they haven't been taught. The president today signed a, uh, at a ceremony, signed the creation or signed for the creation of a national Emmett Till monument. And Emmett Till was a, an infamous and horrible lynching murder uh, that took place in 1955 in the Civil Rights Movement. And uh, it wasn't enough to say we should never forget that this happened. President Biden had to refer to his own leadership of the civil rights movement. It's a lesson I learned. He's talking about telling the truth about history. It's a lesson I learned coming out of the civil rights movement, he said. Even though he wasn't in the civil rights movement. And he had to admit that, like, 40 years ago, the first time he ran for president, that he, he wasn't in it, that he hadn't been in it. He was not an activist. He was not marching. He was not in Selma. He said all this. He admitted that he had made it up, and now he's making it up again. And you can make your jokes about Biden and his age and all that, but, but the reason you can say stuff like this, the reason it might occur to you to say stuff like this is because people don't know. And then I see where Kamala Harris is in the news. And Kamala Harris is only in the news these days if she does something ridiculous. And so she went after the way that the state of Florida has crafted their, their uh, American history standards as it relates to civil rights. They have one point in their presentation, which is numerous pages in a binder, they have one point that alludes to the fact that, that under slavery, um, slaves sometimes learned, like, job skills or trades. It is not a defense of slavery. It is not a let's look on the bright side of slavery. It, it happens actually to be unassailably true that when sl the slaves were freed, many of them, went out and earned a living doing what they had been trained or learned to do in their former life. Why wouldn't they? It's in no way meant to suggest they should have been grateful for having been slaves or slavery was like some kind of tech voc program, like thanks, career point. Nobody is saying that. And Kamala Harris is not that stupid that she doesn't know that. But they, they seized upon that one line, it's like part of a bullet point, buried in this arcane curriculum guide that probably no one will read. And A, because it gives them a jumping off point to talk about this, and B, because obviously DeSantis is running for president. The, oh, we are furious. We are enraged. Uh, they're teaching false history. They're lying about slavery. So she's doing that, and Biden is claiming he was in the civil rights movement. Um, you, you can say politicians have always lied and exaggerated, and certainly Trump did a lot of it. But I will say this. I will say this. We are less equipped than we've ever been to catch them out 
And they're to blame for that. They've kept people ignorant of American history. They've downgraded and denigrated the teaching of it. You can, you can call and yell at me if you're a teacher, and I'm not saying you don't care about it. I'm not saying you don't want to teach it. But you cannot deny that we are producing and handing high school diplomas to people today who know much less about it than we knew when we got our diploma X number of years ago. That's undeniably true. Civics is gone. We're not teaching that anymore. People go to vote, they don't even know what the office they're voting for does. And I, I just think if you if you put on if you put those two things together, the 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 dearth of history education and civics with the increasing sort of fabrication of the politicians, they're getting bolder because they know they're talking to people that are dumber. I don't mean that to be cruel. I'm not saying I'm smart. If you don't know the history, Joe Biden can tell you he was part of the history. If you do know the history, you're going to be like, what the F is he talking about? There's no way that's true. What? What? You know. But fewer and fewer people can do that. I I do have to say, um, as much as you may be frustrated by the constant drumbeat of people like Kamala Harris talking about uh critical race theory and the way they're not teaching slavery and they're whitewashing our history and all that. The one thing this tells me, and it's, and it's a hopeful sign is that stuff like the Florida controversy shows that Republicans have finally started participating in this arena that they completely ignored. You know, the reason K through 12 education is where it is, the reason higher education is where it is, is because for a very, very long time, Republicans and conservatives had nothing to do with it. We're not interested in it, did not talk about it. Their candidates did not talk about it. Their presidents did not talk about it. I don't want the President of the United States to promise to eliminate the Department of Education. I want the President of the United States to get involved in the Department of Education. And that's starting to change. Republican governors, Republican education commissioners, parents showing up at school board meetings, it's not all Republican either, but the point is there is starting to be a pushback in places that were um, all one note, all one tune for a very long time. And the anger and the frustration and, and to see Kamala Harris raging at the podium the other day tells you that they have encountered opposition or resistance in places they didn't expect to find it. That's good. There needs to be more of it. Um these people that make race into a cottage industry and have built their political careers out of dividing us, I want them to be frustrated. I want to hear them angry and raging about curriculum talking points. That's good. There needs to be more of that. Could you maybe be living next door to a serial killer? Or working next to one? Hmm. I was reading where they found a giant walk-in vault with a heavy iron door in the house of this Suffolk County serial killer suspect, Gilgo Beach suspect. I got this in my email from a forensic psychiatrist. Five signs your neighbor or coworker might be a serial killer. I had to check it out. You know? Just wanna be on the you know, wanna be on the safe side.
So here are the five signs that your neighbor or coworker might be a serial killer. If they seem odd, uncomfortable, or they don't quite fit into their surroundings. Hmm. That could be me. I don't quite fit into my surroundings. They seem outwardly charming, but are mysterious about their background or private about other aspects of their life. Totally me. They don't have close friends. Mm. They may have a hair-trigger temper, but otherwise have superficial emotions. Don, I feel like this is describing me almost perfectly. (laughs) So far, I'm four for four. Listen to this one. Here's, Here's point number five. They may keep odd hours. Have a workshop with tools. Or live in a house they don't invite others into. Well, but crying out loud. It's like they know me. That's weird. Yeah, it's also kind of creepy because all this time I had no idea I was working mm-hmm. with a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think you had some idea. Well, maybe so. <laughs> I, think you, I think you've had... Uh, you probably had your your doubts on certain days. I I don't know. Uh, this seems very this seems very vague. I mean, might have a workshop with tools. Like, a lot of people have a workshop with tools. You know, you have a house, you get tools. Um, keeping odd hours. You know, this economy we work different hours. People work flex time. You know, it's part of the thing. Uh, yeah, the hair trigger temper, I get that. Uh, mysterious about my background, just private. Just, you know, just keep my private life private. You know, that's... Like, it shouldn't be a stigma that you like your privacy. That doesn't make you a serial killer, necessarily. How about stuff like... Um, it should be more diabolical stuff, like, you know, is seen digging outside at night. Or, you know, <laughs> or, or like... Googled how to dispose of a body. You know, that might be, um, those to me would be more telling. But, I mean, come on, I got some tools? I don't know about that. There's a uh, debate going on among, I guess you could say, like criminologists and people in the the, uh, law enforcement community. Uh, that's interesting to me as a person that works in the media. Uh, And it's a debate about these so-called manifestos that killers leave behind. You know, remember the the Nashville shooter, the trans shooter that shot up the the Christian school, reportedly, allegedly left behind some sort of manifesto, or people don't like that term, but whatever. It's a descriptive word for a statement or a, a series of statements, assertions, beliefs, whatever and apparently now the guy that shot up um the lunar new year celebration in southern california back in january that killed 11 people also had left behind some writings or a manifesto and um you may remember this was the man he was an older guy he was in his mid-70s he shot up this 
Lunar New Year, Asian New Year celebration near L.A., and then he went to a dance studio to kill some more people, and a guy there got the gun away from him, and then eventually they found him dead the next day. He killed himself. And it says here that the FBI has his manifesto but are not uh, going to release it to the public. Uh, The FBI uh, spokesperson says, I don't know if we'll ever have a motive, but we continue to work on it. When we've talked about this before, there are people who think, "Good, don't release it. It shouldn't. We shouldn't give these these monsters publicity and notoriety. And and the, the, if you if you let everybody know what they wrote and you publicize it and publish it, it's like you're rewarding them. It's like you're giving them a book deal, uh, even though they're dead, and uh, that will incent more people to do horrible things. And we shouldn't do it. We you know let let it be dead and buried." They say, okay, that's, so that's one school of thought, the hell with them. The other school of thought is, why do we keep being told by people in authority that they are protecting us from facts? Why are we okay with that explanation? You know, when you're a little kid, I think everybody had this experience at one point or another, and you ask a parent a question, I'll tell you when you're older. We'll talk about that when you're older. We can get into that when you're older. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the tone. You don't need to know this. We need to know it. We have it. We'll read it. We'll analyze it. We'll glean from it what we need. For Now, th- th- this man is dead, so there's not going to be a trial. I'm in favor of, yes, let the public see it. You don't have to make a, a, a two-hour primetime television special. You don't have to glitz it up and put it in the bookstores with a nice color photograph of the murderer on the cover. I'm not asking you to, to elevate it. But I'm, I'm saying we, the people, own any information that comes about as a part of a government investigation because the government works for us. When they gather information, really, if you think about it, they're gathering it for us. They work for us. It's not healthy to keep telling yourself, I don't need to know what they're doing. I don't need to know how they're doing it. I don't need to know what they know. I don't need to know about UFOs. I don't need to know who killed Kennedy. I don't need to know. That's not healthy. You may really feel that way. You may be like, I don't care, I'm not curious about this. But it's not healthy to tell yourself you don't need to know. It's okay to not want to know. It's okay to say I'm too busy to even be bothered with this, why we've been talking about this. But it's not a healthy thing when people convince themselves that, you know what, I'm just going to leave the governing to the government. I'm going to do my little thing over here, and I'm sure they have their reasons. Oh, it drives me crazy when people say that. I'm sure they have their reasons. Hunter Biden is selling uh, paintings that look like he spilled the paint for hundreds of thousands of dollars. You're sure they have their reasons? No. You're, you're their boss. You can be kind of a loosey-goosey, I don't really want to get involved, boss, if you want, but you're their boss. So I'm, I'm, I think this trend of we're not going to tell the public, we're not going to share this, we're not going to ever reveal it, it's going to be secret forever is a really bad idea. And if you're buying into it, you're being sold a bill of goods. And again, 
Not that every one of these things is of great interest to you personally, but there's there's a, there's got to be an appreciation for the idea that this information is ours to begin with. In fact, they should have to justify ever holding it back instead of our having to justify wanting to know. Could we please know about these UFOs? You know, that's not how it should work. CBS News tweeted out, or I guess we're now saying X'd out, a story about how the, you got to admire the packaging of this. Somebody's doing their, their angles. They tweeted out a story, this is CBS News, about how Barbie's Malibu dream house would have to be redesigned today due to global warming in California. You couldn't have it the way it is now. Barbie would die in the Barbie dream house. Wow. Covered a lot of bases there. It's both disgusting and I'm a little bit proud of that person, actually. Story today says that um, Prince William and Princess Catherine, is that her name? Kate? Catherine? I know they call him Will and Kate, but I guess her name is Catherine. Prince William and Princess Catherine have been urged to keep their eldest son, Prince George, away from his uncle, Prince Harry. The former biographer of the Duke of Sussex gave the royals a stern warning in a recent article in OK Magazine. Kate and William are there to help George, who is the second in line to the throne, after Will. I think George is about 10 now, right? Um, says they have a strong uh, responsibility to help him and keep him away from Harry's negative influence. She goes on, George doesn't have a dysfunctional family, unlike William and Harry growing up, so he should fare better. Kate and William are there, but he needs to be kept away from Harry. Remember Harry wrote that book, Spare, where he says he thinks they just had him so that if something happened to uh, his older brother, he'd be able to give him a kidney or something? (laughs) Somebody needs a hug. Um, It does seem like good advice. Harry, I I, I mean, I know that in in some ways they're very different from us, but in other ways they're just a very dysfunctional family. And yeah, I would keep keep, uh, all those kids away from... Harry and uh, Megan. Um, I I don't know. I, I hate to say this to the Brits who seem very enamored of their royalty, but I, I don't know if it really matters. I mean, I don't know how long King Charles will live. Could live a long time. Then you've got Will. So Will will get in there. He'll be like middle-aged. And then I don't know. Do you do you really think they'll need a, another heir after that? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I mean, this this isn't going to go on infinitely, I don't think. But just in case, I agree with keeping uh, Prince George with the uh, with the with the normals. <laughs> of course, it's going to be hard to find people. They may need to lead a very sheltered life uh, because there's not a lot of normals going on in that family unit. I'm here till 7 o'clock. The show goes till 7 o'clock, and I'm going to stay here till the end. But staying till the end of this show is kind of out of the ordinary for me because I am, I consider myself 
a pretty accomplished leave early guy. Are you the leave early type? You know what I'm talking about? There's different varieties of leave early. Like, have you ever left a game before it was over to beat the crowd, to beat the traffic? Have you ever left any event early so you wouldn't get caught in the parking lot and all the cars snaking through and backing out and you got to wait and you can't? Do you plan to leave early before you even get to the thing you're going to? Do you leave before the end of the concert? Do you, do you leave before church is over? Like there are, there are moments in the church service where you're like, I think we've got it. I think we've got the gist of it here, you know. And you leave. I do all those things. I have left games early. I've done that a few times and gotten burned because it looked like the game was over and then there was a dramatic comeback. Um, I come from a line of people that leave early. My dad left my graduations early. Both of them, high school and college. I'm not saying this for sympathy. I'm not upset about it. I wasn't upset at the time. I'm not upset now. I understood. He was a leave early guy. He didn't like crowds. He didn't like traffic. And somebody gave him a hard time about leaving graduation early, and he said, well, uh, I already know he graduated. <laughs> you know, I'm going to see him back at the house. I know he, I know he get, he's getting the diploma. What do I need to stay to the end for? We're, we're, they're going alphabetical. We're, we're in the R's. It's a long way from now. He left. My mom was mortified. She was not a leave early person. And it's tough when you're married to a leave early person because they want to leave early and you don't. And usually the leave early person prevails, especially if he or she has the keys. Are you a leave early person? There is an art form to leaving at just the right time. And I think it should be, I, we need to get this out in the open. We need to be honest about this. I'm, I'm putting it out there. I am coming out as a leave early person. Leaving events early is a joy. If you haven't tried it, you should. Are you that way? 210-599-5555. Say you're at a fireworks show. Now you could stay till the very last thing. And then when everybody's leaving, you're in that massive humanity. And you're slogging to the parking area, and you're looking for your car, and they're all the same in the dark, and where is it? And I thought we were in this row. And then you get there, and everybody's pulling out. There's cars going every which way, and horns are honking, and you're, you're, uh, you know, you're surrounded, you're besieged. <laughs> like, you know, like it's some sort of great land battle. You know, you can't move, you're pinned down. Or you could have said to yourself, you know, I think we got the, the bulk of the fireworks. I, I, I get it. We've seen the big ones. It's almost over. You can tell. Let's head for the car. That's me. Now, there's a variation of leaving early called the Irish goodbye. Don't be offended. It's not. I didn't make this up. Do, do you do the Irish goodbye? Do you know what that is? The Irish goodbye refers to leaving a party without telling anyone. So you go to a, a party or a gathering, and when it's time to leave, you just leave. You just go. And I think, I read one time, that 
it had something to do with if you got drunk, you didn't want people to know you were drunk or whatever, but that's not the real reason most of us do it. Like when I'm at a party, first of all, I'm an introvert, so do you have any idea what it took to go to the party? Do you have any idea what introverts go through just to, just to attend your, your party? We tell ourselves we're not going to go. We talk ourselves out of it, into it, out of it, into it. Finally, we go, but on the way, the way we get ourselves there is we say, I'm only going to stay for an hour, or I'm, you know, I'm just going to say hi to everybody and have a snack and be on my way. I'm not going to stay for the whole thing. That's how we, that's the only way you're going to get us to your party if we're introverts. Okay. By the way, introverts are not going to call the show, so I have to speak for them. I'm a self-appointed introvert spokesman. But then when you get to the party, even though your plan is I'm going to leave after 45 minutes or I'm going to leave after two hours or whatever your plan is, people don't want you to leave, right? And if you start making the rounds, if you start saying, hey, I think I'm going to start heading out, or you start making the motions, you get your coat, you start, what do you do? Are you leaving already? And it's, these aren't even people that threw the party. This isn't even their house. They're just self-appointed party police. What are you doing? Where are you going? And then they call other people's attention. Jack's already thinking about leaving. You know, I don't know what these people, what, the, what is their problem? They're having a good time. Keep having that good time. I'm easing along the wall here. I'm skulking past the chips and dip. I'm on my way. not bothering anybody. Don't want to make a scene. Then you get to the door. And there's always at every party, there's people that stay at the door. I've never understood this. It's like they're... Um, camped out at the door, and you've got to run that gauntlet, right? So my trick is I put my phone up to my ear. The phone is dead. There's nothing going on. And I pretend I'm trying to take a call, and I make that apologetic. Oh, excuse me. He's got to go outside to take a Sorry, i got a call here. Get through the gauntlet. When my daughter was younger, I used, I, I'm shamelessly made up total lies about places I had to take her and things I needed to do to get out of stuff. Can't do that anymore because she's old enough now, people know. But, um, yeah, so the Irish goodbye is to avoid all that. You just leave. You don't announce you're leaving. You don't look like you're leaving. Maybe you take a side door. Maybe you climb out a window. Maybe you do that thing where you're pretending to take a call outside, but then you never go back in. You just leave. And it's really okay. People are fine with it. I've never lost a friendship over this. If anything, people will be like, I, you know, I didn't see you leave. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I tried to get your attention, but you were busy, which pro probably was true. They probably were busy. But, yeah, I'm, I love the Irish goodbye. And I love it especially as an Italian because Italian goodbyes are the opposite of the Irish goodbye. So the Irish goodbye is you just leave. No big fuss. With Italians, you have to say goodbye to everybody who's there. You have to say goodbye to every, every room. If you're at a house, you've got to say goodbye in the kitchen. You've got to say goodbye in the living room. You've got to say goodbye in the front hall. You've got to say goodbye to people in the, in the bathroom. You've got to say goodbye to people in the doorway. Then you go outside and people follow you. The goodbye extends out to the car. And then you get in the car and they're still saying goodbye to you through the window. And you start to back the car up, and they start walking alongside the car. That's an Italian goodbye. It, it, 
If they could run with the speed of the car, Italians would stay with you. They'd gallop alongside the car. So that's why we need the Irish goodbye. Because we'd never get out. We'd never be able to leave. And I know people mean well. But I'm a leave early guy. Are you a leave early guy? 210-599-5555. Tell me where you've left early and what happened uh, when you did that. Terry is on the radio. Hi, Terry. Hey, Jack. How are you? Haven't talked to you in a long time, man. Oh, it's good to hear from you, Terry. Hey, um, yeah, I'm a leave early guy. Oh, man, it's just, I I get there, I I like to get there early, but then I like to leave early, too, if that makes any sense. Oh, leaving is uh, my favorite part of the event, is leaving it. Oh, well, yeah, but there is one event, and I, I need to tell you about this. There was one event back probably in 2019, uh, my wife, myself, my daughter, my son, we went to the Texas A&M LSU 7 overtime football game. <laughs> <laughs> and being Aggies, being Aggies, okay. Uh, uh, the quarterback, you know, it was towards the end of the end of the game and all this other good stuff. And the quarterback, well, he throws an interception, and we said, oh, to hell with this. Mm-hmm. We're gone. Mm-hmm. We, we got to mm-hmm. left our seats. Mm-hmm. Well, Come to find out, my son goes, Dad, they're reviewing it. And sure enough, yeah. the quarterback, had, his knee was down before he threw the interception. And so we stood there, stood there and waited and waited and waited. And sure enough, well, and then you know the rest of the story. Yeah, sporting uh, events are tricky. You can't you can't time a sporting event. That's true. No. Um, no. But most things, you, you know, you can leave and you won't miss anything. The last few minutes of most things are not that great, right? Well, well especially... Especially when your team, whether it's, you know, whatever, is is either way ahead or far behind. Yeah. It's time, yeah. okay, let's beat the traffic yeah. out. Yeah. And see, other people don't get it. They're like, but you paid for the whole ticket, or don't you want to see the whole yeah. thing, or what are you in a hurry for? They just, we leave early people. No one understands this, but other leave early people. Yeah, but Jack, my family are... Aggies, but uh, you know, if you leave a game, basketball game, football game, you name it, early, you're called a two percenter. That's just I, I understand. Yeah, I understand. Uh, it, you know what? It, 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 all the all the name calling just makes you stronger, Terry. That's right. Yep. It just I makes you, makes you a stronger man. That's it. You can take the you can take it, and and we have to take it when we leave early. People, good to hear from you, Terry. All right, we're gonna get to more calls coming up. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Do you leave early? What have you left early? My dad left my own graduation early. I, but we can probably top that. I'll bet we have. Anybody leave their wedding early? I mean, you know how it's ending. You, you already took the vows. Let's get out of here, right? You know, it's not even for us. Wedding isn't even for the people who got married. It's, it's, they have the least amount of fun of anybody at a wedding. So maybe you left your wedding early. I don't know. Whatever it is, 210-599-5555. Even though I'm Italian, I can't leave like an Italian. Italians leave parties and events like they're like these classic rock bands that go on these long farewell tours oh we're, we're saying goodbye but we're going to be on tour for the next two years retiring i am an irish goodbye kind of guy just just leave everybody's having a good time they won't even notice they don't need to know it's like, you, know just, you, you said you said hello when you came they know you came they know you accepted the invitation. Thank you for thinking of me. But when it's time to go, we just go. And yeah, leaving early, I don't know. 
I, that's how I get myself to a lot of events. I'm just being honest. I, if, I, if I couldn't think about the fact that I'm going to leave early, it would be hard to go. You know, But that's an introvert thing. So we're talking about that. And I want to know if something you left early, and did you get heat for it, or did you have an argument about it, or did people understand, or uh, maybe you've never told anyone you did this before, 210-599-5555. Josh is on the radio. Hi, Josh. Hi, Jack. Hey, um, man, I am so happy because I thought I was, like, the only person that, that did that. Everything that you explained, I've done all that, man. I've just... <laughs> I thought I was the only one with a dysfunction. Oh no, no. See, we got to come that's why we got to come out and be open about this so we know there's oh, others. I know. I'm kind of an introvert in a way, but I you know, I call the radio station quite often, but I, I do get nervous and stuff, but the last time when I when I I left early was when I went to go watch The Sound of Freedom. And I was talking to a buddy and I, don't worry, I'm not going to get anything away, but a buddy of mine at work was like, "Hey, did you see the ending?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, you know, I watched the ending." And he's like, "What'd you think?" And he was like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Well, <laughs> and then he explained it to me, and I was like, oh, no. I kicked myself in the butt, but I left early. I missed it. All right. Now, to be a leave-early guy in a movie is different. You, you, you know, you kind of have to stay to the end of the movie. But what you don't have to do is sit there and watch the credits. You know, you like you're... You're on your, the minute the first name comes up the bottom of the screen, you're on your feet, you're heading for the door like the theater's on fire. That's how you leave a movie early. But yeah, you can't, you never know what'll happen with a movie if you leave early, right? Right, yeah. I mean, it's like you didn't see it at all if you didn't see the end, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know but I mean, you can leave a lot of things early. You can leave a lot of other events early. And I mean, you know, you beat the traffic, you're not in the traffic. They should be grateful to people like us that leave early because we make it easier right, for the people that did stay till the end. There's less of us in the parking lot. Yeah, I like to try to beat the rush of the traffic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Josh, you're not the only one. Don't ever think that, okay? Thank you. I'm glad you you called. Thank you. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, John says he does not leave early. He's on KTSA. Hi, John. Hey, good evening. Thanks, Professor, for taking my call. Yeah, your unique perspective on this – this trait is funny or hell. Appreciate it. Funny topic. No, I don't leave early. And let me tell you one reason I, I'm sure I have in my life, but back about 20, 21 years ago, I went to a Spurs game and it was the playoffs. It was against LA Lakers. It was in the Alamo dome. Mm-hmm. And I paid, I paid, a, paid a, a lot of money for the fine seats that I had. Mm-hmm. We were winning until the third quarter when the whole thing collapsed. Okay. And L.A. just came back and started beating up on the Spurs, and everyone started leaving. Mm. And I was like, hey, wait, wait, we're on national TV prime mm. the, yeah. the world's watching us. Why right. are leaving? Well, by the time of the end of the game came by, I would say, and we can look at the videos, 70 75% of the people were gone. I was so embarrassed for San Antonio and for the – we did that. I've never left anything – early since then oh i thought you were going to tell me i thought you were going to tell me that the spurs came back and won the game no they lost the game everybody left and you know so you're just you're thinking it looked bad that we left early it it looked horrible no it it was it didn't that was who cares who cares how it looked 
I know. It was just me thinking that night. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, now, see, I, I would not leave a, a game like you just described. It's a playoff game. It's the Lakers. Yeah. It's epic. You paid a lot of money. I wouldn't leave that till the end if I thought the end was in question. Like, if okay. it looked like there could be a – but but if if you're at a football game and your team is down by six touchdowns with, like, four minutes or six minutes or eight minutes to go, get the hell out of there. I know, and that, that kind of was the situation with that game. But anyways, I stayed to the very end, and the gentleman in front of me stood up and looked at me and goes, well, that's the last game the Spurs will ever play in the Alamo Dome. And I would have never got that information without him saying that. Yeah, well – I mean, if you feel better about staying, then you did the right thing. You should do what you want to do. I'm not, I don't think there's a, and thank you, John, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to this. I'm not telling you to be a leave early person, okay? I'm just telling you we exist. We're out here, okay? We're, we, want our, we want to be known, all right? We're, we're saying it loud. We're saying it proud. Some of us leave early. You didn't know because we left. When you were leaving, we weren't there. And I would have people say to me the next day, were you at so-and-so's uh, party? Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't see you. I was there. And what they're trying to do is get you to admit you left early. And I tell them, yeah, I left early. What? Why'd you do that? Because that's what I do. And, and you know, when you think about it, everybody gets what they want. If you want to stay to the end, that, by all means, you should do it. I'm good. 45 minutes to an hour. I, I've seen it. I've tasted it. I've experienced it. I am ready to go. And... And so then you've got to decide, do you want to do the Italian goodbye, which is going to take another hour, and everyone will know you're leaving, and it will be announced, and it will ripple through the crowd. He's leaving. You know he's leaving? Jack's leaving. And then they'll start wondering why you're leaving. The Irish goodbye, far superior. I don't know if the Irish came up with it or if it was just the epithet was just slapped on it, but it's the, it's the way to go. You just leave. Just leave. The only time you can't do it is if it's your house. You can't. You cannot do the. Like I, I would have Super Bowl parties back when the Patriots would be in the Super Bowl regularly, and um, I stopped doing it because there were years that they got blown out or uh, they just came out flat, and some terrible team would beat them, and it was miserable. I hated being at my own Super Bowl party because my team was getting killed. So now. I just understand that if the Patriots are in the Super Bowl, I don't have the party. Just watch that on my own. But if it's just like two two other teams, and I'm not really interested in which one of them wins, then I can have a party because I don't care what happens. But you can't leave your own party. That's the one thing. Leave early. People have to stay uh, till the end if it's their place. Other than that, you can leave early. What have you left early? Have you left a wedding early? Have you left church early? Have you left um, a graduation early? Or, you know, maybe maybe a retirement thing. You know, they get to that point where everybody starts giving talks about the guy, and you're like, I already know this, you know. I'm in a quicksand, and I'm starting to sing. I need someone to help me, but I don't know which way to turn. I know I don't have much of a choice. I'll go out of my mind. I'll Uh, we're going to do the math and get the results on the JR poll coming up. Uh, question uh, on the poll today, powered by River City Oral Surgery. Uh, do you want uh, the Republicans in the House to begin impeachment of President Biden? Yes, no, I don't care. 
Uh, we'll talk about that, or we'll see how you voted on that, I should say. Um, and we've been talking about leave early. Uh, we talked some more about leaving early. Are you the kind of person that regularly, perhaps is even known for, leaving events before they are actually over, heading out to the parking lot early, getting out of there early, the the rush of knowing that you are home already and other people are stuck in the line leaving the parking lot? Have you taken heat from people? Have you been given the 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 look? Did you maybe have an argument with your spouse on the way home because he or she did not want to leave early, but you drove that bus? You're like, no, we're going. 210-599-5555. And do you, do you embrace, as I do, the Irish goodbye? When you're ready to leave, no one has to know. It's not an event. It's not, everybody doesn't have to stop. It's not like you're the queen. You just leave. I'm done. I've had it. I'm good. You don't tell everybody at Target you're leaving. Hey, everybody, I just want to let you know I'm checking out here. I've got everything on my list. See you next time. You know, you just leave. That's how I am at a party or a family gathering or whatever. Just I might catch the attention of one person if I have an ally in the crowd, if, I've, if there's a leave early ally, and they know and you know and they know that you know and you just kind of give them that wink like, you know, Nod to the door like, I'm not going. And they give you that look like, I'll be right behind you. 210-599-5555. Annette is on KTSA. Hi, Annette. Hey, Jack. Yeah, I never knew there was a name for it, but I am definitely a leave-early person. I I hate to make a big production over myself, either, either when I come to some, you know, a party or anything, or when I leave, but... I uh, I actually did leave early uh, from a wedding, and I was the maid of honor. <laughs> hmm. um, I it was during a long Catholic wedding, and mm. there were candelabras everywhere. It was some cathedral downtown, and I had the long taffeta dress. This was in the late eighties, mm-hmm. and I just remember looking at my cousin who was the bride, and I said, "Does it seem hot in here to you?" And I looked back at the priest. And candelabra, and everything went down to a pinprick, and mm. I passed out. Mm. Well, and Annette, so, I mean, if you passed out, you're allowed to leave. <laughs> I mean, that's not. Come on, well, that's that's not that's but, a good excuse. Yeah, it was a great excuse. I got to get out of there. It was. I was so. It was like this needs to be over. If you were really a leave early person, <laughs> you would have left early under your own power because you were feeling hot. <laughs> And you were like, I've done my maid of honor thing. Whatever you were supposed to do as the maid of honor, you'd already done it, right? <laughs> I guess so. but And they weren't any that... less married because you left. It didn't diminish the, the quality of their marriage because you left, right? You know, I talk about making a grand uh, leave, uh, the thing I hate to do, absolutely. But, um, yeah, but if I can, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll sneak out of yeah. a party. And even when the parties were at my house, my ex-husband was the one that, you know, he liked having all the people around. So I'd get all the house ready and all the food and all that. And so by about 10 o'clock, I was, you know, exhausted. And so I'd tell yeah. him, I'm like, look, I'm done. You yeah. say goodbye to everybody. And I would just go upstairs, you, you know, like you said, here. say goodbye to maybe a couple of people. But it's just like, when I'm done, I'm done. I want to go. There you go. I like it. All right, Annette, thank you. I'm sorry that you had that episode at the wedding. But, yeah, I mean, it, 
if you if you want to leave, you you know you you're maid of honor, you're best man. You've you've you stood up there. They took the vows. You held the ring, whatever your job was. You gave the toast. You've if you've done all the things that go with that. Now you're just another guest. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. I've been to a few weddings. The people getting married, they don't know who's there and who isn't and who left and who didn't, and they don't, they don't know. They're, you know what the people who are getting married are most interested in at the wedding? They're just hoping they get something to eat. They are hoping that somehow, for just a second, they'll be able to shove a piece of that chicken in their mouth because all they, you know, every time they go to eat, somebody comes up to talk to them, wish you well, I want to talk to you, let me take a picture, congratulations, I want to give you a hug. Just, you can leave. You can leave. We should not, there should be no shame, right? This is the era of no shame. There's no shame in this. There's no shame in that. You you tell the world, you want to be a leave early person? You can be a leave early person. I wouldn't leave a close sporting event early for the reasons we've discussed. I wouldn't leave a movie before the movie is over unless you hate it. You don't care how it ends. 210-599-5555. Kurt is on the radio. Kurt, are you a, a leave early kind of guy? Sometimes. Sometimes I am, yeah. Jack. Yeah, on the wedding yeah. thing, uh, it's a target-rich opportunity if you're a guest or a groomsman, so you want to stay, you know. You know well, you, okay. You I mean, if you're, if you're, uh, yeah, if you're you know in, the, in, the, in yeah. the market. Mm-hmm. But. I love it. Yeah. yeah. If you're, uh, right. But if you're not, um, weddings just go on and on. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That is true. And I've been, I've been in weddings where I wasn't in the market as a guest. And it's like, okay, let's get out of here. Yes. Uh, and I so feel like once that. you've seen them take the vows, it's all downhill from there. Nothing more exciting than that's going to happen. Pretty much. Then my date, she just wants to hang out, you know. Well, yeah, and I get women do. Women want to see the whole thing and what happens, and I get it. But if you can get out of there, you should get out of there. Is there anything you've ever left early and you took some heat for leaving early? No, not necessarily, Jack. Um, Like, in terms of, because you stole my thunder, because when you brought this topic up, I was wondering, like, why is he bringing this up? And the first thing that crossed my mind was the whole Irish goodbye phenomenon yeah i've yeah. pulled that with close friends and family because i know that they're not going to give me heat the next morning no. they'll be like hey you know i just I, I just kind of retired i just kind of left early or went to bed or whatever you know if we're, if we're all at the same house uh but what i called about was uh the phenomenon i use it at work sometimes a couple of my buddies we have, have this little tongue-in-cheek sometimes so my job and i want you i'm not going to name the company over the phone but some people show up they're new hires and they 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 get cold feet and they they, they serve like a day or two and you can kind of tell, like, this isn't for them. And so we're like, is this guy going to pull an Irish goodbye? You know, is he going to is he going to moan out? You know, is he going to go Reckless Kelly? This is a song by Reckless Kelly. And uh, so, yeah, they'll leave their key, and you never see yeah. them again. You know, they just go yeah. out. You know, so yeah. that's a different phenomenon. You know, uh, but yeah, I guess um, I guess that's a little it's different. People, people, and just... yeah, that kind of that kind of gets into the category of are you being a are you being professional? Are you being considerate? When you leave a party, you're not, you know, you're not, you're not being inconsiderate. It has nothing to do with your professionalism. You're just, the party goes on. It just doesn't need you, yep. right? Correct. Correct. And yep. uh, I can tell you're not Italian, Kurt, because I'm telling you. No, if, the Italian if goodbye. It, the Italian goodbye sounds it like a it just like goes a on for. It's longer than the actual party. I mean, I love it. I love the love that you're in, that you're implying. You know, people just want they just want you to stay. It's, they it's nosiness. It's not love. I, I it's love nosiness. That. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, they're, they're, they want to know where you're going. Because you might be going someplace better than where they are now. 
And so there's always the possibility. They're like, well, wait, wait, wait. Let me get my coat. I'll be, I'll be right behind you. So okay, just get the hell out of there if there's Italians. Kurt, uh, good to hear from you. I okay. uh, appreciate it. Uh, Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. I think I'm running out of time here, but um, yeah, that the 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 Irish good. You, you, if you didn't know about the Irish goodbye until today, if this show introduced you to it, I have done my good deed for the day. You need to know about it. You need to employ it. There's no harm in it. It's perfectly fine. I'm not saying you have to do it. I'm not even urging it. I'm just saying if you didn't know and now you do and it sounds good to you, give it a whirl. Life is short, you know. Do you really need to stay at that event till the end? Is there something else you could be doing? Just pointing that out. Never know what might be on TV or (laughs) whatever the case may be. Um, And if you're like me, you even get a little, you got like a couple of... um, in case you are confronted, because sometimes you get busted, it's like the prison break, and all of a sudden you're making the Irish goodbye, and all of a sudden the spotlight is on you, and you're froze up against the wall. What? And then you got to have like, a, oh, um, yeah, I can't leave my dog home alone too long, or, oh, man, I'm a, i I got to take a phone call, and they're going to call at a certain time, or whatever, you know, stuff like that. Just have a couple of things in your back pocket in case you need them. J.R. Pool. River City Oral Surgery, do you want the House to begin impeachment of President Biden now that the Speaker of the House says, uh, certainly looks like there's grounds for it? Uh, 81% said yes, they should begin impeachment. 81% said yes, 6% said no, and 13% said they don't care. And we'll have a new question tomorrow. We go live at 4 here on KTSA, or you can find the JR poll anytime at KTSA.com, and as I mentioned from time to time, if you missed the show or parts of the show, um, if it's easier for you to catch up with me and for us to hang out like mornings or weekends or middle of the night, you can get full episode podcasts of this show by going to KTSA.com and pull down the on-demand menu, or look for the Jack Riccardi Show in the places where you get your other podcasts. You'll probably find us there. And yeah, we when we have the Jack Chat uh, calls, people have asked me, "Is that still around? Are we still doing that?" If I don't, if you don't hear them, we don't have any. We didn't get any. So, um, if you want to leave a Jack Chat, it's two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty. You do have to leave your first name and your city and town with your comment, and we do discard them if people like make a comment but don't leave a name and stuff like that. So, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty. Always available Jack Chat line for leaving recorded. Uh, comments. Yesterday we were talking about the uh, the fact that there was never any reckoning on all the ways in which people and institutions and government were wrong about COVID. And because people basically got away, with a few exceptions, there was a story in the news about a town in Idaho that has to pay damages to some churchgoers that were uh, jailed for having an outdoor service. The city is going to pay them in a settlement because their rights were violated. But for the most part, all the orders, all the edicts, all the mandates, all those mask skulls that made TikTok, they've never had to own it and admit it. And so that's why we're getting more of that smugness over now, for example, oh, climate change, it's why it's so hot. 
And I wanted to play this for you. This was, I thought, a very interesting part of what was a fascinating, like, hour-and-a-half interview that uh, Bill Maher did with Jordan Peterson. But just listen to this little clip of it. You can find it. You can Google it. And and they they had an extended sit-down. This is a story that uh, Bill Maher told about masking during COVID. Take a listen to this. I remember the, I was talking to the driver taking me in from the airport and he was, he had a mask on and my friend who travels with me and we always would tell drivers everywhere, anybody, you don't have to have the mask yeah, on yeah. for me. You know, like yeah. if, you, if you want a break in the day where you don't have to be breathing your own stale air for no reason, um, we'll open the windows to the car, whatever. We, and this guy said, uh, he said, I know I'd like to. He said, but my four-year-old daughter, I came in last night and I didn't have the mask on and she freaked out. Mm-hmm. So they, they hit. I just, it always stuck with me. They'd gotten a four-year-old to be panicked when she saw her father without a mask. Yeah, right. I, um, I'm sure there's a lot of stories like that and variations of that story. Um, and that, that, in a nutshell, is why it was so dangerous that we did not have and by reckoning, I don't mean like stonings or you know executions. I just mean the people that were wrong have never faced that they were wrong, have never said it, owned it, retracted it. You know, there's stories in the news all the time about how a certain CDC guideline was quietly revised or... A, a medical journal retracted a study or retracted an article or took it off their web archive. So they know that they said stuff and asserted stuff that was wrong. There was no scientific basis for it. It was even harmful rather than helpful. But because we didn't have a reckoning at the end of the war, so to speak, we didn't have a march of shame, we didn't have a calling out, I think that same unhealthy, pardon the pun, attitude is now with us in the form of all the people that are telling you it's not hot because it's July, it's not hot because it's summer in Texas, it's hot because you're making it that way with global warming! Same people, folks. Same people. See you back here tomorrow.